Welcome to my testimony and uh, today Dawn, uh, we have a very special guest uh, from California. Yeah. Uh, we seem like California is one of our favorite states, it right? It seems so. Yeah, yeah. So we have um, Pastor Jonathan Henderson. Pastor, uh, welcome to my testimony. Thank you. Thank you, Colin and Dawn, for having me. Before we get into pastor's uh, testimony, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. We thank you for my testimony and for another episode. We pray that as Pastor Jonathan Henderson shares with us today, that his testimony will just touch our hearts and that souls will be one to your kingdom because of it. And then we all be drawn closer to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so Pastor Jonathan, tell us, where were you born? I was born in San Diego, California, mm -hmm. and uh, was uh, soon after moved to the Inland Empire, so the San Bernardino, Loma Linda area. That's mm -hmm. where I spent most of my, my adolescence, okay. all the way through high school. Were you born Seventh-day Adventist, or were your family Seventh-day Adventist? What generation are you? Yeah, yeah. Born Seventh-day Adventist. My, uh, both my grandparents, both sets of my grandparents uh, came into the faith. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that would make me third generation. Um, okay. um, my grandfather, my mom's father, was a pastor, a Seventh-day Adventist pastor in Oakland, California. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so on my mom's side of the family, uh, her mother, along with her four sisters, all married ministers. <laughs> so... Oh. Yeah, so my my grandfather was a pastor, and of course his brother-in-laws were pastors, and subsequently a number of pastors on that side of the family as a result. And uh, although I tried to avoid it, uh, it happened to catch me as well. So wow. I got I got caught in that wave. <laughs> wow, 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 wow! What what about your dad? Were your dad were he was Seventh Day Adventist also? Yes, my father was Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, his parents also came into the faith. Uh, they, they were originally from Alabama. Uh, mm. They moved to the Bay Area in California. Mm -hmm. And that's actually where my folks met because, you know, again, my mom's father was a pastor in, in the Bay Area. Right. Um, so, yeah, so we were, we were raised Adventist, uh, you know, very, very traditional households, mm -hmm. uh, vegetarians. <laughs> okay. The whole, the, the whole deal. The right, whole deal. Right. So, Right. Wow. You have siblings as well? Yes. Yes. I have, uh, I have two brothers from my mom and dad's marriage, an mm -hmm. older brother, four years older, a younger brother, just 14 months younger. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's, a, he's a, a lawyer, a public defender here in uh, Southern California. Um, and then I have a, my youngest brother is from my dad's second marriage, and uh, he, is, he lives in Arizona. Oh, okay. About seven, eight years younger than me. Oh, okay. 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 All right. So born and raised in the church, you're growing yep. up and um, tell us a little bit about that journey, which you growing up because um, I'm born and raised in the church too. So I know, you know, I, I have some idea what we all go through. So let, let me hear your idea of what you're going through or some of the experiences. 
Yeah. So I, 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 yeah, grew up in the church and I grew up in, um, I grew up in a very conservative black church. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that <laughs> you may be able to relate cause I know a, a number of the Caribbean churches are also, you know, could tend to be very traditional For and sure. conservative. Sure. Mm -hmm. and, and the interesting dynamic of that is that most of, and this was even in the United States, I would say 60s, 70s, you know, you know, a lot of your, your black churches were very much like white churches, just, <laughs> just different, different hue in the, in the pews. That's all, you know, right, right. Uh, but they sang a lot of the same hymns, uh, you know, um, there was no gospel music. Mm -hmm. um, you couldn't even say amen that often, mm. because if you did, it sounded like a Pentecostal or a Baptist church. Right. And, and uh, so it was very traditional. So, you know, from a cultural standpoint, um, you know, even though I grew was raised in a black church, again, you know, if, if, if I were to attend a white church, it was very, very similar. Mm -hmm. um, in the 80s, there was a shift uh, through more evangelism. We started to bring in more and more people from other uh, denominations, Sunday churches, different worship experiences. And then little by little, you, you begin to see uh, the music shift in the church and mm. uh, more amens in the congregation. And, mm. and I remember that's when the worship experience began to be uh, uh, clearly different, but I began to connect with it a bit more. Right. And I loved gospel music. Um, I loved, I loved, you know, passionate preaching, and uh, and I was moved. As, even as a young as a young boy, I was I was really moved by the the experience. And um, but I I I didn't for the most part enjoy church in totality. I loved good preaching and I loved mm -hmm. good music, but right. that was about as far as it went. A number of the other things, the liturgical stuff, the you know, the long prayer, sometimes even the long sermons, you know, getting right. to church at 11 o'clock, not getting out till one, two, three, you know, it's just, right, right, you know, the, the, right. the, the, the day could sometimes just be, you know, very boring, very taxing. And, uh, I, um, yeah, so I struggled. I didn't, I didn't join Pathfinders. Um, I didn't like being a part of any of the AY programs. So in, oh, wow. in a number of ways, I'm surprised that I, I stayed in the church because there was so much of church I really didn't enjoy. Wow. Uh, wow. So um, it, it what happened is that two things happened in my life that I think that shifted me. One was at a very young age, uh, my, my mother allowed us to watch one of the, the Jesus films, uh, the one in particular, Jesus of Nazareth, which was a, a, a miniseries that came out. Okay. In, late 70s and they used mm -hmm. to play it every easter they would play it right. mm -hmm. uh on uh the local channels out here and of course at the end of jesus ministry you know he goes through the passion experience and mm -hmm. i was just, i was a young boy i was four you know five years old mm -hmm. and um and i saw the death of jesus and wasn't really able to process it wow. um, and so it was a traumatic experience for me so everything revolving around the cross, the passion, uh, was traumatic for me. Mm. And, uh, if I saw a depiction of Jesus on the cross at a painting or drawing, people talked about it. It was just, it was hard for me to hear. And mm. what happened is it, is it for, you know, as we are by nature, a lot of times the things that we're afraid of, we often will gravitate towards because, right. you know, some strange fascination with it. So I often would read the gospels wanting to get to the, 
the passion. Right. <laughs> okay. And everything was leading up to that, you know, right. and it would scare me and unsettle me. But I kept finding myself reading, wanting to get to the end. And I remember reading the book, The Desire of Ages from Ellen White, and uh, as a teenager, and again, still just so fascinated Mm -hmm. with Jesus' life and his death. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, as a result, I I found myself reading the Bible a lot. And then eventually, I, 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 as you read, you come to know God more for yourself. And as I was getting to know him for myself, I was actually seeing things that I'd never heard preached before. And mm. I started seeing him in a more personable way. And I, I remember reading a version of the Bible. It's still my favorite translation. It's called today's English version, the good news Bible. Okay. And it was just, it was translating in such a common way. Like it wasn't the King James English. Mm. It was just everyday English. And it just made God feel so personable and the stories feel more grounded. And uh, I, I I just begin to see God in this very real way. And uh, before you know it, I was sharing with my friends, you know, my experience and what I was seeing in the Bible. And one mm-hmm. of my teachers, one of my teachers heard, overheard me talking to my friends and said, hey, could you come and, you know, to my Sabbath school class and and, and share your testimony and share what you've been learning with my with my my kids. And I said, sure. I was 15 at the time. Oh wow! And that was the first time I had kind of shared a message. And then that led to sharing more messages. And then you know, my first sermon in the church. I was 15 years old, and and so this this kid who didn't really enjoy church all that much right. and had some weird fixation. Uh, traumatic fixation on the cross, you know, started preaching about this savior and, uh, and it just, it ballooned from there. That, that's, mm. a, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Cause um, yeah, like myself, I, you know, I grew up in Pathfinders and I, I was big A-Y. on AY. AY was my favorite. Cause I, right. I played the keyboard too. So that was the time when I went to, to Oh, that's what makes sense. Yeah, Makes so sense. me and my friends, we would jam out on AY because on AY, we can, um, we got a chance to play the drums, mm. you know? Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, you yeah, so because in the morning good. service, we don't really play the drums. You played drums back then? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this was, yeah, this was back in the, in the, in the mid 80s. Uh, yeah, we, we got a little bit. My church, you know, okay. we, 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 at first, you know, the, the, um, the older folk in our church used to grumble though. Mm. Of but, course. But, but they, they realized that the drums were, were uh, keeping the young people in the church so they kept quiet and let us have the drums. So, right. Oh, yeah, that's so, thoughtful. That was yeah. good. So we had our own little band. So, and, um, and I think that's what, what, that's what kind of kept me grounded in church. But for you, you weren't interested in this stuff. And it's amazing how God reached you um, in other ways. Because trust me, when I was 13, 14, mm-hmm. I'm not reading no Ellen G. White. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? So... So to, for you to be reading and, and get into that. Um, but let, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, you said the Bible that you read uh, were more... The Good News Bible. It was a Good News Bible, you said? The Good News Bible. Yeah. Why was that so practical for you? Well, I mean, 
you know, growing up in the church, every time we heard scripture quoted, it was from King James. And mm. so, you know, uh, anyone reading the King James Bible will, uh, if they're honest, will tell you it's a struggle. Now, there are those that would say the King James Bible is the only translation we should be reading from and right. so on and so forth. Uh, um, you know, I think when you begin to study how the Bible's put together and the translations, uh, mm-hmm. You'll know that it's it's a very complicated process, and and some would argue that the King James is not a very good translation. But a translation. But with that said, I think that what people have usually landed on is that, you know, trust the Holy Spirit to give you understanding as you right. as you read, you know, yep. the Bible, uh, even in the King James. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that in part, uh, especially if that's the only translation you have access to. But I believe the Holy Spirit's involved in the entire process in mm-hmm. many different translations. And uh, I remember one time someone challenged me at one of these camp meetings I was preaching in. I was really young, maybe 18, 19 years old. And I was speaking for the youth and someone challenged me and said, you know, you need to preach from the King James. And I told told them the reason why I chose not to and why I chose the translation that I that I was using. And they said, well, the Holy Spirit will give them understanding. Just Mm. just preach in the King James, teach from the King James and the Holy Spirit will give them understanding. And I said, well, if that's the case. I said, then we should use the Greek and the Hebrew. Exactly. And he said, well, they wouldn't be able to understand that. I said, what right. about the Holy Spirit? <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Give them right, right. So wow. he had to acknowledge, he had to acknowledge that there, the Holy Spirit was involved in the translation. Exactly. You know, and, you know that, and, and, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in this, that, that um, when we have access to more information, and it's readily accessible and available to us. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit doesn't. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to, to to give us understanding where understanding has already been given. Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. So you know when 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 people tell me I have a difficult time understanding Scripture, it's just so hard to understand. I I tell myself, well, then find a translation that works for you. Yes. That's right. You know. Yes. And and the translation that I used, I, I mean. I, I found myself laughing as I was reading the Bible because it was so relevant. It was mm. so, in many ways, it was ordinary. And which is interesting enough, the, mm. the New Testament was written what is called koine, which means common language. Okay. And, and so the Bible is meant to be understood in common language. Even the mm. King James translation was written on a third grade level. Oh, you know, wow. it's just that, again, back then, that was everyday language, right? Everyday right. prose, everyday mm-hmm. you know vernacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not today, so um, that really helped break down one of the barriers between me and God. Because it, again, if if you want to have a personal relationship with me, Lord, then you got to be real with me. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. you, yes. you you can't allow these barriers to exist. So if, if you're if you're speaking in a way that's going over my head, it's going to be hard for me to trust you. It's mm-hmm. going to be hard for me to listen. And it's going to be hard for me to follow. That's and true. so, so that's, that, that was really, it was impactful. And when I, when I found myself laughing at this one particular in the Bible, I, I just remember thinking, wow, I think, I think God has a sense of humor, you know, right. like I think, he does. I think he's not as stuffy as, as, as I have him presented. Mm-hmm. And it just, it caused me to present script from that point in a way often laugh this is really an important part for me is that it's a laughing joke right which early on in my ministry people tell me you're, you're joking too much in the pulpit i said i'm not joking i'm not oh, saying wow. not there you know i'm not 
asking why the chicken crossed in the road. You know, I, your people are laughing because it's real to them. Mm -hmm. You know, it they front. If a comedian is believe telling the truth, we laugh. That's mm -hmm. that's our way of saying amen. Like, yes, that is true. the truth. Is exactly what happens, or that's exactly what they do, or that's exactly how that person sounds, and that's why we laugh. We laugh in confirmation or affirmation, and uh, and so yeah, people are laughing. It's because they're in agreement, you know. Uh, and so yeah, so I, I always want to make sure that you know if I'm communicating a conversation between Jesus and Peter, it's not going to be word for word maybe the way that it is in Scripture. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at the context. I'm going to look at how would you say that today? How would Jesus say that today in our vernacular, right? And that's and that's where I want to communicate. And of course, you, rec you have to always acknowledge your audience. So if I'm talking to six-year-olds, I'm mm -hmm. going to communicate it in their language. If, I, if I'm talking to For high sure. schoolers, yeah. I'm going to communicate it in their language. If I'm talking to seniors, I'm going to communicate it in their language, right? If I'm in a white church or a black church, I'm going to communicate it so that everyone is able to understand it in, you know, within their culture, within their context and so forth. So for sure, for mm. sure, awesome. for sure. Awesome. Yeah. So you are in school and you, you have, did you have the mindset of, I'm just going to be a pastor now? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, because of how I viewed pastors, I never wanted to be a pastor. You know, oh, I, wow. I, I kind of saw myself a bit outside the box and, you know, I looked at pastors as being, you know, very rigid, you know, uh, a, bit, a bit stuffy, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, I just, and I didn't want, I didn't, I didn't want that to be my life. I was, uh, I went to, I went to Pacific Union College as, as a graphic design major. I wanted, right. you know, I was interested in a number of other projects. I wanted to work in film. I wanted to work with computer animation. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I, I had, yeah. So, um, yeah. But past, I, pastors like, didn't come off cool back then, for for sure. They didn't at all. I can right. Say. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think if if to you know if today I was entering college, I, I may not have gone into ministry at all. I and mean, there's just so many more opportunities, you know, mm -hmm. for us as as you know, believers, uh, those of us in, in in Adventism, you know, to get involved in film and, and do a number of things. There's a yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of schools have great great uh, uh, film programs and so forth. But at that time, you know, graphic design was the only <laughs> thing that I thought was close enough at that time to computer animation, and and so that's why I went with that. Um, but I soon realized that. That was going to be my path. I kept being asked to preach and, mm. and I to travel, and I realized I was doing so much of that that I needed to have the credibility of a theology, you know, degree. And so I decided to do theology, right. and you know, the rest is history. I still I still dabble on the side with with, uh, with with some graphics. With graphics, yeah, I do graphic design and and I do a number of creative things and I and there are, are a couple of projects I, I want to get involved in and I want to work in uh, I want to work on an animated film and I'm nice. in the process of writing a script for that and awesome. I want to I want to work on a, a animated children's show uh, so there's a number of things I want to do that I will I, I feel like that'll be a part of the 
next chapter in my life. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in many ways, my preaching is my my. I'm like a, I'm like a frustrated uh, artist in many ways. It's like the only way I, only way I can create film is with words and, and uh, right. you know, all my nonverbal communication. And, 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 and that's why a lot of times in in my preaching, I act out scenes. I act out Jesus nice. talking to Peter or you know Jacob wrestling with God. It's like mm-hmm. I I always I'm, I'm very visual when I present. But I think that's just, you know, because it's how I see everything in my head. So, right. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful, though. That's beautiful. And, yeah. and that's part of ministry, too, because um, as I said, I'm a filmmaker and, um, and that's how I minister. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I, um, that I do that's in the film that relates to God and just bringing his. Right. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. Especially right. now, especially now, it, it is such a, it, it is the, this is the time for it, you know. So, yeah. agreed. Yeah. Agreed. If 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 it were up to me, mm. our evangelism funds—the millions and millions, the billions of dollars we put right. into evangelism—they mm-hmm. would all go into film. Amen. Oh, wow. Amen. They would all go into film. Yeah. It, it would go into creating creating specials on Netflix and, yes. and films that could that could hit the theater, good quality. Mm-hmm. You know, bringing great writers and producers. And I, I think we have a number of people. Um, you know, again, among. Our our own people, you yeah. know that that sure. mm-hmm. that that you know would never be given a chance, and you know why not? You know why not? And it's, it's just another vehicle of spreading the gospel, and we have to look at you know what's effective now. I mean, putting up tents and preaching, we're not we're not we're not we're not going to bring in a lot of people that way. Not not in this day and age. No, I don't no. care how good of a preacher you are. So okay, so we're going on your spiritual walk now. Mm-hmm. Why? I know I see that you switched just because of the credibility, but what made you keep on that trajectory? Mm-hmm. Well, I, what happened is that I started to recognize what a great need there was for my type of presenting the gospel. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And I realized that there that there was something uniquely that I was bringing to the table that I didn't see elsewhere. Mm. And, and it just, I, I, I felt compelled to stay with it Mm. because, you know, I mean, we're all, we're all different, you know, we're all different. We all learn differently. And, you know, and, and, you know, even preaching at Oakwood, I'm gonna keep it real. Yeah, <laughs> that was cool. That was I'm so not, cool. I, I'm not a traditional <laughs> black preacher, and I know mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. right? You know, my my mother my mother is my mother is black, but on her side of the family, uh, you know, I think her great grandfather is from Ireland and so forth. Mm-hmm. And my father, my father is black. You know, like I said, his family from originally from Alabama, right? Um, and again, I grew up in a black church. You know, I understand the you know the black experience. I didn't go to Oakwood, and I didn't go to Oakwood because I wasn't planning on being a preacher. And uh, I want again, I went to graphic design because only Andrews and PUC at the time had graphic design programs in Adventism. Right. Um, and PUC was closer to home, so that's why I did that. Once I decided to go into theology, I knew I was going to Oakwood. I knew oh, it. Okay. But 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 the Lord told me no. He mm. told me, I need you here at PUC. <laughs> and I realized now why. I realized because, you know, there, there was a special place for me there at PUC. And, and there was something that I needed to learn there 
that I most likely would not have at Oakwood. And I'll, I'll tell you why. This is not, I mean, the 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 amount of great preaching that comes out of Oakwood is, right. I mean, is world-renowned. Right. right. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I learned at PUC was to preach in my personality. Oh, okay. Mm. So what often happens for, this is for most of us in, as in the field in preaching, right? We learn how to preach by watching and observing. Yes. So I, I learned how to preach by watching Walter Pearson, you know, okay. uh, Barry Black. I mean, mm -hmm. I would see these like great preachers. And I, when I first started preaching, I attempted to sound like them. Oh, wow. wow. So if, I if, if you were to listen to me at 18 years old, my first sermon at PUC, you know, I can't. I can't watch it, but but I but I know what I'm who I'm trying to sound like, you know. Mm. And mm. so, what happens is that when you are preaching in front of diverse groups, yes, there's certain things they just will not vibe off of. So mm -hmm. I can't get up there and you know start doing a preacher's run and expect you know Filipino kids, Korean kids, yeah. you know, right. white kids to be mm -hmm. like you know jumping up and clapping that's not going to happen right exactly it's not it's not it's not their cultural experience right. for them that's not church mm -hmm. right so i had to learn how to communicate and relate to them in a way that connected and really it was just being authentically who i am my own personality right mm -hmm. so that's what that is how i learned how to be and, and this would happen often when i would you know when i when I was younger and I would shake the preacher's hand at the end, you know, up, up front, he was screaming and shouting, you know, right, right. Sweating and wow, yeah, I know. You know all that, right? <laughs> Getting into it. And at the end, he'd shake my hand and he was so ordinary. Yeah, he was so um, calm, right? You're right. So calm. You're right. <laughs> and I would go, as a kid, I'd be like, what happened? What's going on? <laughs> he, he hit the switch, man. Right. Right. He hit, he hit the switch. switch. <laughs> so I see that a lot in, in, in our in our church and i i always encourage especially young preachers i'm like you got to be yourself yes you got to be yourself they're not saying you can't pick up certain techniques from a preacher you know and how they maybe uh uh um you know unpack a story mm. how they allow the tension to hang in a message right. how they resolve the tension at the end of the sermon but those are great techniques right as far as just being a great storyteller mm -hmm. you know and, it, and it's the same stuff I took, believe it or not, talking about film. It's the same thing I tell any preacher. You preach as if you are you are writing for a film. Mm. You want you want there to be something at the beginning of your sermon that grips them. You need to have it, you need to have enough tension in that sermon that they want to hang around to resolve that tension. Right. You know, don't 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 try to preach the end of the movie at the beginning of the movie like allow that plane to take off and 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 allow that story to really have the excitement and tension that i believe it intrinsically has mm. uh, but we're not great a lot of times as preachers we're not great storytellers right and so we're sloppy in the way we present it we just all we care about is just getting the truth out mm. but not getting the truth out in a way that is palatable you know that's tasty it's enjoyable, you know. It's true. It's true. And uh, and that's why Jesus was so good at what Jesus was a great yeah. storyteller. Oh man, he was the best. Those parables, he was the best, man.
Yeah. Great, great. Yeah. And I, I and it's interesting because I learned this. I learned this when I was I was I spoke in Korea and uh, one of my sermons was really theological and uh, hmm. it was at the English Institute out there. And the ministers, the Korean ministers pulled me to the side and they said, we want to let you know something about our people. Mm. And they went on to tell me what really connects with their hearts. And they were trying to tell me that basically I was too theological, right? Oh, I, wow. was, I, was too, I was being too cerebral. I was, I was, and, and, and I, was, I was basically losing the people. Mm. So the next sermon, I changed it up. And, and I, I, the sermon was on the prodigal son. Mm. And, oh, I'm telling you, the people were just on the edge of their seat. They were crying because it was dealing with family right. and right. connections. Right. And I started to realize this is why Jesus taught the way that he did. Yeah. He wasn't just teaching doctrines, right? He he was he was teaching about hearts. Mm. He was teaching about relationships, which yes, you can find doctrine within all of that, but yes. but the doctrine of the Trinity is really the doctrine about community and relationships yep. Yep. and trust, yep. you know? And 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 knowing how to uh, how to bond authentically. That's really what the doctrine of the Trinity is about. I mean, you can talk about it in other terms that are boring and dry, right? But, but, but there's a way in which to express it that is beautiful and romantic and mm. and colorful and and so on and so forth. So, um, so yeah. So I, I would, I, I, you know, I always would encourage young preachers to, you know, think of, think of your favorite movie. Why is it your favorite? You know, right. what's the parts that has you on the edge of your seat? Yeah. And why do you want to keep watching your favorite movie, even though you know how it ends? Right. It's because it's the way the story is told. It's not just the truth is revealed, but it's how the truth is revealed. And so um, so I encourage young preachers, preach in your own skin. You got to be yourself, because at the end of the day, those kids, they're going to know who you are away from the pulpit. It's true. You know, those members are going to know who you are away from the pulpit. And they might not be able to articulate it, but there's going to be something about how different you are in the pulpit that's going to feel like there's a bit of, you're not as genuine, yes. you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's really important in ministry that we, you know, and that doesn't mean, again, we don't have room for preacher's runs. I mean, I, you know, again, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a byproduct of my culture as well. It's, it's in me. So it's going right. to come out at times. Right. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it is not my go-to. Right. And, it, and I will only go there if I feel it, right? If I feel the spirit leading in that way and it, and it, but it's not, I'm going to do this in order to get the congregation to respond in this way. I just want to be real. I just want to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that has, that, that always has the deeper, has the deepest impression on people. Mm. Yeah, for awesome. sure, for awesome. sure, for sure. And um, it's all about communication. Yeah. Because if, you, um, if you're unable to communicate and get that message across, you, you're going to lose. You're going to lose people. You're not going to be, right. if, you're, if you're not engaging and, and, and as you right. said, people in different cultures, you can't, yeah. uh, as you said, you can't go to a, a Korean church and get up there and you, you're running all across the place. Like if, like if you're in Oakwood, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you're like, dude, what's going on with this dude? Why is he shouting, right? Right. Why is he, why is he yelling at me? What did I do wrong? Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's not that's totally not their culture, culture, you know. It's not their it's not their culture. Yeah. And 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 that's why I get like I'll be honest with you, preaching to Oakwood, I was nervous. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh really? I I've preached there a couple of times before for AY, but okay. you know, to be there for like four messages, mm-hmm. I was I was a little bit nervous. I'm like, again, 
you know, they're probably not used to my way of delivering. And mm. there's always this kind of like mm. uh, building trust, you know, at the beginning of any type of week of prayer or, right. you know, or if you're just there for one sermon, you have to like earn the trust of the people to continue to listen to you. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, but you know, but I kept saying, you know, I did keep reminding myself, I just gotta be me. And if at the end of the day it's, it's not for them, it's not for them, you know, right. you know, um, but I just gotta be me and, 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 uh, and hope that the authenticity and the, and the Holy Spirit, right? And that combination is what really, really lands. And, and I really, and it was just so refreshing to, to see just, again, just to trust that whole, um, that process of just being authentic and real upfront and seeing how that connects with people, you know? For sure. You know, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's, anyway. And, and again, I would be very careful. I'm not taking any, anything away from, the great preachers. Oh, not at all. You know, Pastor Buddy Bird, all that. They're just, they're all dynamic. They preachers. Are. Of course. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, but it's, it's, you know, it's just, but I feel like God has given me a lane. And that right. is why, you know, to answer your question, Don, the reason why I stayed with it is because I feel like God has given me a lane. Um, and, 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 and it's, it's still my path until he tells me otherwise you amen. know amen 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 and um you, you talked a little bit about um being where you let the holy spirit lead um saw a testimony of you recently when you spoke about not having notes in the pulpit. Mm. so <laughs> tell us about that though where where How you does that work yeah i know because you <laughs> you know you, you said one time you preached a sermon and you didn't even know what you were talking about you you didn't didn't have so anything prepared until you're inside of it and then you started delivering wow yeah that was very that's very true that that happened um i was uh, uh, a senior mm. i was a senior i want to say i was a senior or a junior i think it was a senior though i was a senior in high school and i was preaching uh for the sophomore class and um or i was a junior pre preaching for the, the the freshman class i just know i was preaching to my brother's class he was two years you know behind me okay and um and i was at that time, I, again, I had just, I was early on in that part of my life of, of, of being up front and preaching, teaching. And uh, I always waited for the Holy Spirit to give me kind of the talk, the message. Mm -hmm. And I still, to this day, interesting enough, I really do wait for the Holy Spirit Man. to give me what I am to say. I mean, even at Oakwood, mm. as, as crazy as this may sound, I ended up changing what I was going to do the the very first night Wednesday night because of some of the music and what I felt was the flow the Lord just said no you're gonna go with this and I oh, was like oh, I wasn't prepared amen. to do that amen. and that started what we ended up going through for the whole week I, I it's it really is a deeply spiritual experience for me so I I um I was waiting for the Lord to give me a word he he did not all week and so I get to the house where we're doing the vespers still didn't give me anything. I, I ask if I can go up to one of the bedrooms and pray uh, before the talk, and they, they, you know the the host lets us lets me do that. Mm -hmm. I take my Bible. I say, Lord, whatever I open my Bible to, that's where you want me to preach. And uh, <laughs> but I, I landed in Exodus. That was a, that was a terrible place to land because wow. I'm just thinking, what's an Exodus? I'm not going to preach about <laughs> the Exodus and all the laws and yeah. like there just was nothing there. Yeah. I thought. 
But I said, all right, the first thing my eyes see, that's what you want me to preach on, Lord. So the first thing I see is Moses telling God that he cannot speak to Pharaoh. He doesn't have mm -hmm. the word. Mm. God tells Moses, who made your mouth? Mm. I will give you the words. Oh, wow. So I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. I said, Lord, give me the words. I went downstairs to give the talk, and I had no idea what I was going to say. Oh, wow. And I've never had this experience before, even since. So I, I just, I, again, I know this was, I know this was a God thing because I didn't know what I was going to say, but what I did tell my mouth to do is open. Okay. And that's all I, that's all my mind, the only message my mind would give to my mouth is to open without having mm -hmm. any idea what I was going to say. I just kept telling my mouth open. And every time I opened my mouth, words were coming out wow. and I could hear the words. Mm. And I remember like halfway through the message, I was then given the ability to think about what I was going to say before I would say it. Oh. Because then I kind of like, I, I knew where the Lord was going. Wow. But as I was opening my mouth, the words were coming out. Some of the thoughts I had never even thought of before. I mean, mm. like I had never even connect, like there were, there was revelation that was coming out that I had never discovered before that message and i was thinking oh wow lord that's 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 deep <laughs> and after that message i just remember saying oh this is this is a god thing this is just you this is you're just <laughs> using me. you're just using me wow um, and so yeah so i i've adopted that and, I, and then one of my sermons really young on i early on i i dropped my notes i had them on like uh uh you know those uh five by eight cards or whatever mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. uh i dropped them and I was so nervous, I didn't pick him up. Okay. And I, I, I just continued to preach. And again, the Lord did his thing. And so from that moment on, I have never in, I've been doing this for 30 years now. I started, mm. I started when I was 15. I'm 45 now. Okay. In 30 years, I have yet to write out a sermon. Wow. Never written a sermon out. Wow. So the only thing that I've done at most is a very loose outline where I have maybe scriptures or a quote. Um, and I typically preach from narratives. So narratives are always kind of my mm -hmm. outline because mm -hmm. I'm preaching through the story. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm now it doesn't mean I don't study. I study. You have to study. You have to know what you're talking about. Of course. But as far as, you know, having it word for word, I just trust the Lord. I said, Lord, and sometimes I'll miss stuff that I wish I would have written down. Mm -hmm. But that, that just, I'd rather risk that than risk the ability to always be looking at my at at at, at the audience. Right. So if you if you you see me before, I'm oh it's always eye contact. I'm yeah, always yeah. engaging yeah. the audience. I never break eye contact. I'm always looking to the left or to the right. And if I turn to the right, it's because I want to engage the group to the right. The only time my head is down is if I'm reading a quote or reading from from scripture. Right. And. Uh, you know, and every now and then I may have to look at a, at the outline to say, okay, look, you know, where am I going next? But it's uh, but it's a God thing. It really is. I, it's all glory to Him. It's not. I can't even. It's not even a. I can't even say it's a skill I have. It's just. It is truly just a. It's a God thing, and it's how He works with me and my mind. And and up to this point, it's it's it seemingly has worked okay. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, if it's not broke, I'm not going to fix it. Right. <laughs> exactly. oh, for sure. For sure. Exactly. Right. For sure. So yeah. did you, you studied in PUC, did you just stay in California and, and got pastor's jobs? 
the way. Yeah. So I so initially I I even when I graduated from PUC, I still didn't want to be a pastor, believe it or not. Mm. I, I was just I was just gonna travel and preach. And uh PUC hired me as what they called at the time outreach minister, which it was kind of a creative position to keep me uh there and giving them loose PR. Because I at that point I was I was traveling almost every week preaching at a church or school. And so they were like, stay on, stay on campus, you know, be on our staff. And they would get PR for me being affiliated with the college. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I even told the conferences that interviewed me, I didn't want to be a pastor. And, you know, and again, I just, I just didn't want to be in that box. But after a year and a half of traveling around preaching, um, I began to desire community and be a part of a community mm. that was growing in faith. And so I actually told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you want me to be a pastor, I'll do it. Because before I was telling him, I was like, Lord, if you want me to be a pastor, then you have to show up personally, sit on my bed and tell me you oh, want wow. me to be a pastor. And wow. I didn't think he would do it. So I was thinking that was, that was my clear. I was going to be out of it. But I got to the point where I wanted to be. And I told him that. And that week I get a call from uh, uh, Dr. Hyveth Williams, oh, uh, wow. who now teaches at the seminary. Yeah. But she was the senior pastor at the Campus Hill Church in Loma Linda, California. Mm. And she, she tells me, she says, Jonathan, I don't know who you are. I was driving and I was asking the Lord, who should I bring in as our as our campus ministries pastor, young adult pastor? Mm. And he gave me your name. And I don't know who you are, but I went back to my staff, asked if they know who Jonathan Henderson is. And one of your former classmates said that they they did know you and had your number. And that's oh, why wow. I'm calling and so, wow. so I ended up accepting that call after a prayer and fasting. And I, I took the call and was worked with her for about three and a half years, uh, building ministry down there at a great time in Loma Linda. We we saw a, 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 a Friday night worship service, which I was in charge of about 25 people just ballooned into 600 youth and young adults Whoa. coming out every single Friday night. It was so I, it was just so amazing because it wasn't like it was worship credits. It wasn't like they had to be there. Like mm. it was just young people just wanting like just the basics. Like, oh, we didn't do anything really special. All we did was was it was it was it was music, testimony, sermon and then food and fellowship afterwards. Just real basic stuff. Okay. Yep. And uh, we didn't advertise. It was all word of mouth. I, I didn't want to be on the side passing out flyers, begging people to come to any worship service. I'm like, if we're making an impact and we're doing what we're supposed to do and it's and it's meeting a need, then they're gonna share it, they're gonna share it with someone. And sure enough, it's by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. We were very intentional about diversity. Um, at that time, um, I forget exactly the the what the name of uh, um I'm trying to think what the name of of the group was at Loma Linda. I know at PUC was called BSF Black Student Forum. Mm -hmm. at, at Loma Linda, it was something else uh, there for their club. But you know, but the black students had their own vespers. I think every other week um, mm -hmm. at Loma Linda, and then of course there, the other unofficial you know campus or university vespers was ours. It's called mm -hmm. Kairos, and we had you know we had mostly white and Asian that were coming out. Mm. And I knew that we needed, we needed everybody. Exactly. And so one day 
three sisters came, uh, uh, shook my hand at the door on Sabbath after the, after one of Dr. Williams' uh, sermons. Right. I asked them, I said, are you guys students here? They said, yes. I said, I, I need you to join our praise team. They said, what, what group? What, what? I said, for our Friday night service, Kairos. They, mm. they rolled their eyes at me. They're like, oh, please. Wow. Like, <laughs> like, like, that's 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 not our service. I said, just one time. Just come through one time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they agreed. And there was some resistance from our praise team initially because they were like, because this exists in our schools. You know, mm. I, can't, I can't get around it. Of there course. is there's cultural yep. tension, racial tension, mm-hmm. style tension, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, but we're, but if we do this, we know we, we, we don't want to just sing gospel. I said, no, we're not going to just sing gospel, but we can have a gospel flavor, you know, in, you know, intermixed with you know what we're doing and so on and so forth. Right. And I said, watch. Once there is representation, once we show inclusion, I said, you watch. It's going, it's going to blow up. And yep. sure enough, sure enough, like overnight. We went from 200 to 400, wow. and and then we had the 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 Hispanic Latino students that were worshiping on a Friday night. I think in there at, at, at a nearby Spanish church, mm-hmm. they started coming out. So it was a melting wow. pot. It was so Amen. beautiful and reverent. Like sometimes when you get young adults together, youth mm. sometimes it can become a meat market. People yeah. just right. trying to be fly, trying to mm-hmm. see who they can, you know, whose attention they can get. This mm-hmm. was so different. Oh wow! I mean. There, it was quiet. You could hear a pin drop every Friday night. You could hear a pin drop. It was just a different spirit, a different atmosphere, and I, mm-hmm. I, I just, just, I, I just, I loved that time. So, I was there for three and a half years. The Lord called me to uh, Oakland. Um, I served in Oakland uh, at mm-hmm. what's now called Grand Avenue. We changed the name, but it used to be Grand Avenue Seventh uh, Avenue Church. It's actually okay. the church where my parents were married. Okay. Uh, and so I had a chance to serve in Oakland like my grandfather, you know, uh, decades prior. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also saw, again, the Lord moving in a mighty way there. We went from about 25 people. They were going to close that church down. Mm-hmm. It used to be the conference church back in the day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the conference moved out of Oakland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, as there was a flight from the cities, you know, uh, oh, okay. uh, away from the Bay, you know, right. a lot of those churches began to empty out. And, mm-hmm. uh, and and Grand Avenue was one of those. So it's beautiful edifice. To me, to this day, it's still the best situated church in all of Adventism. It's just per- like when I drove up to that church as a student at mm. PUC, I was like, this cannot be an Adventist church. Like no Adventist church is like right on the main street. Like it, it was it was too perfect, huh? Too perfect and beautiful and big. Maybe, and just- may, maybe Steph Curry used to go there, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it was. It really, it really is. It is absolutely. Right. Oakland is such a beautiful city, you know. Right. Uh, people just don't know. And so this church was blocks away from the million dollar homes, blocks away from homelessness, oh, right? Wow. This was a, you know, uh, as you know, my 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 friend uh, Dexter Thomas, he really helped us out with uh, the the homeless ministries. Uh, in fact, the the NAD North American Division did a documentary on our ministry in Oakland called Stained Glass. Right. And we had a we had a we had a presence in Oakland, and so we went from 25 people to like 400 people. Mm. I mean, it was again, and a lot of young adults, and again, a melting pot. Because let me tell you something: mm. diversity is intentional. It is. You just you just can't happen across it like oh, you know, if we just sing and preach, you know, everyone's mm. gonna come. You mm. have to be intentional you. about your yeah. diversity, and mm-hmm. so. 
you know, we brought on a pastor who was, uh, a, well, he's, he's Asian, but half Japanese, uh, half Chinese. Oh, wow. Uh, he, was mar- he was married to a Korean. Wow. Um, and sure enough, when he came onto our staff, guess who started coming out? <laughs> so we, right. we had more Asian young adults starting to come out to our church. And, mm-hmm. and again, it's just, and when people walk into a church and see themselves, mm. and that's where I think our church has hurt a lot. This is yes, kind of off topic. I but agree. We, I agree. People walk yeah. into a church. We have a lot of churches where someone cannot invite their coworker to come out to it's because true. they would be the only one. one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that's a problem. That's a problem in Adventism. It's a problem. It it's is. A problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we, we got we have we have to be intentional about making sure that our churches reflect our schools, reflect our workplaces, mm-hmm. re- reflect our neighborhoods. Yes. And, and, we're, and we're not doing that. We have black churches in predominantly Hispanic communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can't have a presence because people are commuting in because that's the church they were raised in. They grew up in. It doesn't matter if they live an hour away. They're going to come back to their home church. Mm -hmm. And they have no presence in that community because there is nothing in that church ministry-wise that can actually impact that community. Totally different cultures. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so 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 I was there for 12 years in Oakland. Loved my time there. Moved on to PUC. Back to my alma mater, I was there as a chaplain for four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved my time there, and uh, after my four years there, uh, moved to uh, Vallejo Central Seventh Avenue Church, which is actually the the church of my my paternal grandparents, my my oh. father's parents. Okay. And so I was actually attended Vallejo Central as a, since I was a baby. Every time mm-hmm. we would come to visit my grandparents, which was every year. So Vallejo Central is, 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 is really close to my heart. And so that's where I've been for the last uh, three years. Okay. Awesome. Beautiful, awesome. beautiful. And you, um, you, did, you gave us a little sneak peek of a familiar name that you just called. Yes. I don't know if anybody picked up on that. But um, it's funny because when we, um, when we heard about you, we, we found you um, uh, because we were watching um, Oakwood. Okay. And uh, we did not know that you know Dexter Thomas. Mm-hmm. And after we did our little research, we realized that you guys work together in, work ministry. Together in ministry. It's like wow. Dexter is our best friend here in mm-hmm. South Florida. So, oh, he, um, he's he's amazing. Yep, yep. yep. So tell, G- tell us genuine. About, tell us about that relationship with you and Dexter Thomas, man. How you guys? Well, it's good. Together? Yeah, you know, I first met Dex. Uh, he was um, he was working in Northern California among a number of churches. You know, he mm-hmm. you know. Dex is a hustler. Yeah, <laughs> like, we know that. We know that man. He has cheese everywhere. He's and 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 I and I saw that spirit in him, and um, and so I told him, I said, "Hey, listen, um, I would love to bring you on board here at what we're doing." And and he was a little skeptical because you know a lot of ministers before me had made promises and mm. nothing ever, you know, you know. Uh, fanned out so uh so it, it it in this situation you know dex was helpful in telling me like hey why don't we try to do this through creative evangelism and so on and so forth so you know we did we worked out a situation where he could join us as as an evangelist mm-hmm. uh, working with the homeless but the other component that he brought to the table which which is which is uh, uh which was something i felt the church needed was that he was a good preacher yes yep. and and there were people came to me and said why would you bring Dex on board? He, there'll be members that will want to listen to him more than you. I'm like, I don't. Oh, wow. 
Oh, wow. Wow. That's crazy. I would love that. I would love that. I want, I always want to be surrounded by people that, again, I know who are gifted and called. And if the members are like, we want to hear more of Dex than you, I'm like, good, go for it. Let him preach. Wow. Mm. So he preached with such anointing and, uh, and, uh, and the church loved him. And so anytime I, I traveled and had to preach elsewhere, I always knew he was going to hold the pulpit down. Like I yeah. never had to worry if we were going to have a down Sabbath because mm-hmm. people thoroughly enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he kind of came into his own as well. You know, the person that I initially met, I was not even really Dex until I got to know him. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, and so he became a good friend. Um, um, I had a chance to even hear him out in New York. He was doing an evangelistic series out in New York, and I happened to be in New York, and I went to go visit him uh, as he was preaching. I just, I just enjoy him, and and he was so encouraging at a at a, at a stage in my life that I needed what he was giving. I mean, just on a personal level, this man would sit in the front pew, and you know, Dex, you know, he has his 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 computer, his braille computer, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and he start. He starts clicking away. If, if you're preaching something, he likes something you said. He'll 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 be jotting it down. Make sure he you know he highlights certain things. Uh, and and then he was really good at telling me, like if I landed on something that needed to be further explained, he'd mm-hmm. say, "Stay right there, preacher. Stay right there, preacher. Stay right there." <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's good. That's good. Stay there. Stay there. Yeah. Um, and, and you, you see the you see the twinkling in his eyes too. Right? Yeah, I tell, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell Dexter all the time, man, that he's not blind, man. Not blind. He's oh, watching. he's not blind. Yeah, yeah man, because no. I'll I'll just walk up to that dude, man, and he just feeds my person and say, "Hey, what's up, Colin?" Okay. I was like, "Dude, you know." Never, he's never been blind. Not one day in his life that man been blind. But just a, but a beautiful soul, man. Beautiful yeah. soul. Seriously, of of all the people I've ever worked with, I mean, he he's. I mean, it's not even close. He's been my favorite, really. Uh, and just, again, the impact he had on my life, you know. Uh, Amen. You know Amen. The levels he pushed me to attain and obtain and, and uh, um, yeah, and just strive. And, you know, he was he he had written a book and mm-hmm. uh, I helped him design his cover. And he asked me to do the foreword for it. And when I did the foreword for it, he said, oh, man, you got to write. I said, no, I'm not a writer. He goes, oh, mm-hmm. man, look at this forward i said well i tried to dabble in it but i I just don't i don't feel like i have it he said well show me what you've worked on before and so i I showed him like five chapters that i i attempted to write oh wow to write it for a book and i wasn't Mm. you know i wasn't happy with it got discouraged and let it go but he got a hold of those five chapters and he says man let me work with you Mm. and and he did he was my he was my spiritual content editor i think that was the name he gave himself uh but I would write and I'd send it to him and he would tell me, he would tell me, I oh, mean, this is good. Uh, this part right here, I don't think you need it. It's, it, it, mm. it just feels like it drops out of the sky. Get, delete this, delete that. And so he really helped me shape uh, the, first, the first book. And, um, and then when it came to doing the second edition of it, which I wasn't even really wanting to do, but it just happened that way. Okay. Um, worked on the second edition. Um, you know, so much of his original work, you know, still was intact and and I could still hear his voice in my head like I, I always I, I even knew what stuff he didn't want me to include I'm like oh <laughs> right. Dex, wow. Dex, wouldn't want, Dex wouldn't want me to, wow. to put this in. <laughs> so yeah so there's there's Holy Spirit and then there's Dex <laughs> there was this other story. that's amazing wow. that's yeah amazing. He's a good guy man good yep. guy I'm happy I'm I just I'm happy for him his family and, and mm. the Lord is still blessing his ministry and uh yeah. 
Yeah, and even have fun with his other book. The what was the other one? I know what the orange. I worked on that. That cover too. The orange one. The, the orange, orange one. Yes, yes. I forget that now. I'm forgetting the name of it, but uh, that was a funny book. Yeah, it was. It was. Stories. I forget the name too, but yeah, I know the one. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I did, so I so I did the cover. I did the cover on that one. The first oh, cover. Okay. I was. I was. I was inexperienced. The first. The the second cover. I like. I still like that one. I like that. Oh one. wow. First cover. Uh, I I was new at the game. It was real new. That's amazing that you know you see, you see yeah, the world is small yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You because know, right. we know these books, we and, know the books. and the covers, man, and now <laughs> yeah. we, we meet the um the designer behind it. Right, the first, yeah, the, the second cover that one that one the orange and yellow that was I, I still like that one with the silhouettes right. of all the characters. That he, right, right. That was uh, anyways amazing. But, uh, awesome. Yeah, amazing. Awesome. So tell us about your book. Why did you start that project? Um, so, so the, the first time again, I was really, I was really, um, uh, motivated because of, of, again, Dexter's affirmation and, uh, and pushing. Um, but I wasn't a writer, you know, and like I said, mm -hmm. I've never written a sermon out. So all the whole writing process was very new to me mm -hmm. and, and, and you, you cannot write word for word what I preach. Cause it just does not transliterate well. Like it's like mm -hmm. people say, just have somebody you know, transcribe your sermon, you know, uh, and it, it, and it, uh, yeah, but I, yeah, transcribing my sermon, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work well. It just, cause I'm, I'm too conversational mm -hmm. and, and I'm, and, and I do a lot of physical communication with my hands and gestures. And so mm -hmm. it just, it, that is difficult to capture in writing. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn how to communicate very differently. And so it wasn't an easy process. Um, but I was happy when I gave birth to that, like it was almost about 15 years ago. Okay. So my mother passed away recently of oh. Alzheimer's. Mm. And um, when she passed away, I felt inspired to write again. And I said, well, before I do my second book, let me, let me kind of just polish up the first book. Maybe there's some things I want to change. Okay. And I'll re-release re that one. Mm. Um, and as I was looking over the book, I realized I had so much more to say in every chapter mm. and and so i began to write and so the book uh just took on a on a whole new look it just had i always say it has the same heart as the original but with so much more muscle so much more uh sinews and flesh like it's just fleshed out more mm -hmm. and it has it has more experience i mean there's so much more i've gone through in my life personally from the first time i wrote that book to where i am now mm -hmm. so i see things you know, uh, clearer, you know, I, at least I believe so. And so the, the title of the book is worth every drop. Okay. And, uh, uh, and the, with the subtitle being, um, God's relentless pursuit to prove that you matter. Okay. And, uh, one thing I've learned is that one thread that runs through all of the stuff that we struggle with in life, all of our pursuits, all of our failures, it, it comes down to our understanding of worth. Yes. Um, yep. The reason why sin gets us is because we don't know our worth. Mm. Uh, we're often tempted to do things or to acquire things or to be with someone because of our either incorrect view of ourself, mm -hmm. you know, either thinking of ourselves as less than or more than, right? Yes, it true. always comes down to identity. Yes. The, the, the fall at the tree, Adam and Eve, came down to identity. Mm. They, they were already like God. 
<laughs> Yet, For real. Yep. The True. serpent tempts them to be like God when they already were like we're God. Like God. Wow. Mind blowing, right? Right. And and it makes sense because he also had identity issues. He mm -hmm. also didn't understand his worth in heaven. Right. And because Lucifer had a misconception about his own sense of worth and God's and all of that, that is why sin, I believe, was birthed. Mm -hmm. And so I found this thread in everything mm -hmm. that we, we discuss in scripture. And so I wanted to grab a hold of that thread and, and have a book that kind of ties in a number of things that I think we struggle with in our faith, uh, you know, uh, such as why do bad things happen? You know, why, why does God allow so much suffering? Why is he not answering my prayers? You know, why does it seem like, you know, he's a no show when I need him the most, right? right. All of that, those questions, they still tie into, am I worth something? Am I worth enough to you, God, to pay attention to me? And I'm most likely not, and that's why you're not paying attention. Mm. So we, mm -hmm. this book will tackle those type of things. Uh, the cross, which you know, I've told you at the very beginning of this that that was a huge issue for me. Right, you're uh, as a kid. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to get to the bottom of it in this book. Right, it's a that's a big issue because most of us would say we know our worth because of how much He loved us, and, and we know how much He loved us, mm -hmm. and that He gave His life for us. Here's the problem. This is the problem I had as a kid, and it's the, and it's the problem that I've wrestled with even as an adult. Mm. I had a problem with the cross because the cross suggests something about God's character that I didn't feel comfortable with. Mm. That God needed to torture, the father needed to torture his son in order to forgive me. Oh, wow. That he needed, he needed to strip him of his divinity, humiliate him in his humanity in order to accept me as as a, as a, as his child, mm. I had an issue with that. Mm. I did. It, it, it actually felt very pagan mm. that in order to appease God's wrath, in order to, in order to calm God down, he has to go off on somebody. And because oh, wow. he's so loving and nice, he doesn't want to go off on us. He's going to go off on his son. Mm. I, I had a problem with that view of Calvary. And, mm. um, and so as I begin to kind of peel back the layers, I begin to see the cross differently. And I mm. said, wait a second. What, what we used to think was the plan of salvation, mm -hmm. which implies that God is orchestrating everything. Mm. Most of right. us would believe that. God is, is all part of the plan of salvation. That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Spirit. they huddled up. They mm. came to this, you know, this, 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 uh, 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 remedy for, for right. man's failures. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, wait a second. If this is God's plan, did Pilate have a choice? Mm. Did Judas have a choice? Wow. Did Israel have a choice? And, and if it's God's plan, that means everybody's reading from the script that God gave them. Mm. So, and of course, I, I tackle those texts in Isaiah, you know, it pleased the Lord to bruise him, you know, mm. all of that stuff. Like, so did it really please God to bruise his son? And did God himself bruise his son? Mm. So there's so many misconceptions in scripture because we don't understand the way the Bible was written, right. the, the, the culture in which it was written, the culture in which it was understood. We don't, even, we don't even take into consideration that some people, when writing the Bible, their theology wasn't even always perfect. It's true. You know? Yeah. It's just, because they're they're still growing in faith as well. 
they're yep. still learning as well. Yeah. So worth every drop tackles all these issues. Oh, I believe we do find our worth at the mm -hmm. cross, but not in the way that some have originally or, or, or the way that tr people traditionally communicated. And I, I think there's a lot going on at Calvary and I attempt mm -hmm. to, to tackle those big questions of evil and why evil exists, you know, and even when you get down to, to hell, which is another one we tackle it in chapter nine, mm -hmm. I also had a problem with that. Like you mm -hmm. can't sell me on a God who loves me so much that he would give his life for me. Mm -hmm. But if I don't love him in return, he'll kill me and not just right. kill me, right? not just kill me, but, but torture me. Mm. And some faiths, they believe he tortures them forever and ever. Yeah, yep, it's true. Like, like that, I can't even imagine how anyone could want to be friends or love a God who would torture his creation forever right. because they did not like him or love him the same way. Like that's just, we would, we would never do that. As right. evil human beings, we wouldn't even do that. Right. Right. But yet the holy God who's above us, whose thoughts and ways are higher than ours, we believe would do that. You know, mm. I know Adventism teaches that it's more merciful. It's maybe right. for a moment, right. for an hour. Mm -hmm. But even, even for a moment, what parent among us mm. would tie our kid to a stake and light them on fire? Exactly. What parent? Right? And we're not better than God. We're not more loving than God. Mm -hmm. So... We have to we have to tackle these difficult texts in scripture. And so we do. We do. We're going to find our worth in all of it. And I think that even in the concept of hell, though it's not the traditional way that we tend to view it, mm -hmm. uh, I believe that even hell itself is amazingly loving hmm. and merciful. Right. And, 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 it, and it's a way in which God shows our worth where he, he shows us our our value and i think people are going to be blown away and it's not something that's like even outside of adventism for those who are uh listening who are our old school adventists mm -hmm. trust me it's even in our writings we just we just didn't see it it's yeah. even in our writings it's right. in a lot of our literature we just we just didn't see it and so yeah so this book it's it attempts to tackle a number of topics with this cohesive thread of worth and uh, I think I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful to even be a, have been a part of it. I believe God has done something special with it, and uh, and I just, I hope it just, you know, blesses so many people's lives and helps build trust with God moving forward. I don't care if you're agnostic, atheist, if you've been in the church uh -huh. forty years or you left the church. This book, this book is for you. It, it will, it will help. I believe bring you back to the center uh, of of knowing God, truly knowing Christ. And, uh, and building trust with him. Amen. 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 Wow. 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 Can't wait to get my hand on it, man. Where can we find yeah, it? And it, it seems like we might have to take it further than the book and maybe do a documentary, man. We'll, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. That sounds good. That sounds yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. But where, where can we find the book, though? Right. So right now, it's in the pre-launch stage. So it's on Kindle. You can find it on Amazon on Kindle okay. and download it there. Okay. Um, uh, next month, I'll, I'll be launching the audio book as well as uh, the soft uh, cover. Yeah, the physical copy of the book. So, uh, so looking, looking, looking forward to yeah, being able to complete it. And, and I dedicate this book to my mom. Okay, she's she's such a big part of my life, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, she was the closest 
uh, uh, human being to, to Christ that I know. It was, it was easy for me to believe and to even want to be on this journey of knowing truly who God is because my mom was such a wonderful personality and, mm. and had such a great character that I'm mm. like, God has to be at least, at the very least, as good as her. Mm. <laughs> right. So if God is not at the very least as good as her, then something's wrong with the way that we're interpreting <laughs> scripture, you know? Wow. So, yeah, so with her passing, it really did inspire me to go back. And, she, and so many of my, my stories, uh, my childhood stories are woven all throughout the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, she's a big part of it. So yeah, dedicated to her. And um, yeah, awesome. All right. Did you do the graphic design for the cover as well? I did. I did. I did. I did do it. Nice. I did do the uh, the graphic design for the for the for the cover. Nice. Yeah. I did. And I, it's interesting too because uh, Pacific Press. I was working with them, and you know they they said, "Well, we have our own designers." I said, "Mm-mm." Yeah, no, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you tell them. Tell them I got skills. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I, I just, I mean, I'm not just, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm even great at doing what I do, but I think that I think with anything, you know, even the spoken word and the written word, part of it is it's your creative work, you know, it's true. Amen. and I, yeah. I, I just don't want, I don't want anybody to uh, be able to have say on yeah. what something should look like. I know anything I do, I, there's always a collaboration. I have people who are reading mm-hmm. over the book who've given me, you know, constructive criticism in the same way that Dex did. I had a, I had a former professor, you know, go at it and mm-hmm. challenge me. Another uh, another pastor that I admire, one of my friends, uh, uh, his name is E.L. Nutufi, he's a pastor in, in Canada, and mm-hmm. he, he did a lot of extensive work. He, he played the part of Dex. <laughs> okay. He played the part of Dex. Uh, and uh, he helped me a lot as well. You know, he rated each chapter. He told me which section I'd... I should cut out altogether. It was unnecessary, you know, chopped it up, you know. Um, but yeah, but it was it was helpful. I definitely, and, and when it even came to the design of the cover, still had people looking at it saying, no, no, yes, no, yes, no. Right. Until you find something that you feel like, you know, really hits the mark and, yeah, and, yeah. and you get a consensus, you know, right. so. Nice, nice. Awesome. Yep, awesome. yep. Awesome stuff, man. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're about to wrap up, but, um, Real briefly, though, I wanted to talk about burnt out, being burnt out, because mm-hmm. I think uh, I think that's very important, though, as a pastor, as uh, when you're in ministry. Mm-hmm. And I know, um, especially a part of our community mm-hmm. um, here in South Florida, I'm a part of a church that is very heavily, very busy, very, very busy. Very, and very we're, busy. we're heavily, it's a heavily um, ministry uh, church. We, we have a lot of ministries. Uh, we even have a film ministry, which mm-hmm. uh, which I'm a part of, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. so we have the media ministry, we have the health ministry, we have, you know, they, oh, wow. there's every department is a ministry, yeah. right? Uh, and you spoke about being, um, you know, and even as a pastor, so to talk to us a little bit about being burnout and how do you, how do you see that? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, the the Bible doesn't give us a. a a perfect outline on on how to structure your days and and also mm-hmm. even how much to give of yourself to people in ministry. Mm-hmm. So you really have to to monitor yourself. You know, know your personality. I think initially, I just I just thought you know my main responsibility was growing a church. Mm-hmm. So the more people they were coming out, the more, the more people with needs that needed you know my my attention, uh, whatever I had to offer, I felt like that was my responsibility. 
So often I found myself being people's therapist, uh, friends, mm. uh, the, the grandkid they didn't have or didn't live near them. You know, like I'm just, I was, I was just everybody's pseudo something. Mm-hmm. And I, I was a yes person. And part of that, you know, goes back to my childhood. I was, I was a, I was a pleaser okay. and, um, I'm a, I'm a middle child and I played that role really well. And, um, and I was always trying to, again, make sure everybody was good. Mm. And there's parts of that that are, you know, help you to be successful in ministry. Right. Uh, Cause I don't make enemies. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I ne- in every church, I feel like I'm good with everybody. I don't care. I don't care if they disagree with everything I preach about. I'm still at their home for dinner, you know, I'm, I'm still right. hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. They'll they know they can still call on me and we're, mm-hmm. and we're still friends. And so that's mm-hmm. always, I've always been that way. With that said, I, I lean more towards being an introvert, which mm-hmm. means I, I get recharged by being by myself. Right. right. And, uh, and so being more of an introvert in a very public ministry, you know, that requires again, engagement with people, it can drain you. And so yep. I had to be mm-hmm. mindful of that and realize I'm not being unchristian by withdrawing from people. Or saying and no. Saying, and saying enough is enough. Right. You know, I, I need to actually go home, you know, or, I, you know, I, I need to take this day off. I, I would work sometimes like, you know, seven days straight, you know, I'd wow. be at church all day, yeah. you know, um, uh, Sunday I'd go to somebody's birthday party uh, at the church, you know, Monday was supposed to be my day off. So was Sunday, but you know, no one really respected it. And, mm. and because I didn't have good boundaries, you know, they didn't have to respect it, you know, right. cause if they text me, I responded mm. and I would, te- I would respond on Monday cause I didn't want to have to respond on Tuesday and the list would be that long. So I'm like, right. let right. me just get it out of the way and respond right. on Monday. Right. So right. Right. It, it was just very difficult. I said yes to almost every speaking appointment. You know, <laughs> I would try to always, again, make sure it didn't matter if it was a small group, big group. I just, I just wanted to always be there. I mean, I would be up at five o'clock in the morning to go speak at 6 a.m. at uh, at a drug rehab program, mm. you know, every every Thursday morning uh, because they asked me to. And so mm. I would do it. And and it's just it's it's all that kind of stuff that just adds up over time. And you, yeah. you get burned out and your yeah. family, their family feels it. Nice to think, but I'm home still. I'm still home. I'm putting the hours in. I'm, I didn't feel like I was away from home too much. Never felt that way. Right. But the problem is that when I was home, I was a shell of myself. Yes. So my just my physical presence being home didn't mean I was really home. Mm. And and I had to learn that part. You know, I would tell my wife, I'm like, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, I'm I'm here. What do you mean I'm not here? I'm right. here. Right. And at the time, she didn't know how to articulate exactly what she was saying. So. I would make it seem like she didn't know what she was talking about. I'm mm-hmm. here. We went out to eat. We did this. We went to the movies. Right. And then we did this. We mm-hmm. did this. We did this. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, mansplaining everything. Uh, <laughs> and so she's kind of like, oh, I guess, I guess you were here. But it was later on that I realized, oh, this is really what she was getting at, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't emotionally there. No. You know, even when I was there, I really, I really wasn't connected. Right. And and women are amazing at like feeling the connection, <laughs> like knowing when you're connected and when you're not, you yep. know, when you're really listening sure. and when you're not. Yep. And so I um, I just really I just so 
I started there. I started to realize that I was I was hitting a wall mm. and burning out. So I, it took me four years at PUC as the chaplain to recover because PUC's responsibilities as a chaplain were so much different than the local pastorate okay. that I was able to recover from the burnout. But it took me a while. Oh wow! Like there's some of the years at PUC I can't even remember. It was just. I almost felt like I was sleepwalking wow. when students tell me, oh, pastor, we miss you. You did such a wonderful job. I'm like, I don't even know what I did. I don't even feel like I was there. I just, wow. so, wow. I just felt like I, I slept, walked through so, so much. And, uh, you know, and it was it was a lot. I mean, and, and, and this is where, again, I think God places responsibility on us as pastors. I mean, think yeah. about it. Yeah. It's not God who tells Moses, slow down. It's not God that says, Moses, why are you trying to solve everybody's problem? It's true. It's Jethro. Jethro, yes, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. when, when I understood that story, I was like, oh, God, you're like, you, you're like straight up about us figuring this out on our own. Yes. You really, you really expect us to look after one another mm -hmm. and to be attentive. Right. In my old school mind, I think God was controlling it all. He was moving everybody. Jethro, you go here. Moses, you go here. You, mm -hmm. This is why God, he gives us his instruction and expects us to be grownups about it. Mm. Yep. You know? Wow. And so, yeah. So, you know, I'm here complaining. God, you had me do all this. He's like, I didn't tell you to do all that. Nice, too. <laughs> well, you, but they, but they invited me. They invited you. I didn't invite you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they invited yep. you. It's up to yep. you. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. I'll send somebody else. That's right. You know, wow. it didn't have to be you, you know? So that was a tough lesson. So when I got to Vallejo, I told them, I was straight up. I was like, listen, my family comes first. Just want to let you know that. Amen. And uh, and if uh, if I have to leave, I have to leave. Like there's a couple of board meetings I had to get out because I said I was going to tuck my son in bed. I'm like, mm. I got to leave. I got to leave. I don't I don't sit on finance committee. I don't sit on the finance committee. I don't need to. Why 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 do I as a spiritual leader have to sit on finance committee? Mm, we have true. people. We have people that are gifted in that area. Right. Now, I want to know what's going on, but I can figure that out at board meeting. Because right. <laughs> we're going to talk about the finances. Of That's course. Right. So, of course. No, yeah. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sitting on every committee anymore. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't even chair the board anymore. I don't chair the board. Nope, not me. My head elder chairs the board. I am I am another voice around the table. I got you. So, yep. Yeah. So that's how so that's how I kind of learned how to 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 shift the way I was doing ministry and, and do it more responsibly. That way my best energy now is spent in preaching and Amen. teaching Amen. and not all over doing, you know, everything else that other people can do, right. you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that, you got to know your lane as a minister. You got to know your lane. If you're on a multi-staff church, you have to know your lane and be faithful and, uh, uh, and do it well. Mm -hmm. But again, not, not trying to, not trying to be in everybody's, you know, lane. So. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Man. Awesome. Pastor Jonathan, man, we can we can talk forever, <laughs> we can talk man. All, all day. Yeah. We can, before before we go, I want to mm. say this one thing about me because this this part is this part is part of my testimony. When mm. when I when I was in Oakland, we brought in a 16 year old as a foster daughter, mm. um, planning on keeping her for a couple of years to help her get through high school. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we ended up adopting her at 18. Okay. And uh, she la this this year she graduated from Loma Linda University with a double masters. Wow. And uh, she's twenty she's twenty five now. So we've we've had her for well she's been a part of our family for almost ten years. Amen. And so big part of our family. We also had another foster daughter 
uh, stayed with us for a couple of years and we're still connected to her. Mm -hmm. And she was raised alongside of our, our son who is now nine years old, uh, Nathan. So mm -hmm. my kids are a big part of my life. Nathan, Amen. Naya, Jessica, Jessica's the old, the, the eldest, but, uh, um, yeah, we have real passion for children and, and, uh, I, I, I wish I could, I could, I could foster, uh, more kids, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's just, a, there's a, there's a, there's a great need out there for us who, who have homes that are healthy yes. to, to bless yeah. children that don't have yeah. the same situation, yeah. you yeah, know, and there's such a great need. So I just always want to encourage, you know, your listeners, anyone who, if you have, if you have love in your heart and you still want to nurture I mean, yeah, you can go. You can go to a shelter and, and get a, a new puppy or whatever. Uh, but you also can, you know, have an influence, uh, maybe mm -hmm. that can last, you know, throughout eternity uh, yes. by bringing in a, a kid. And and just so you know, when we when we adopted Jessica at 18 years old, it was mm -hmm. the oldest adoption yeah. in California at the time. Oh, I wow. think it still stands. Oh wow! Yeah, the yeah. oldest. Yeah, because she's so, she's an adult, and you guys, an yeah. right, mm -hmm. right, and that's my girl, man. That's my girl. I mean, there there is wow. something obviously very powerful about raising a child when you're still, you know, changing their diapers, able to hold them mm -hmm. close to your chest, and have them fall asleep on you. Of course, there's there's a way in which you bond when they're mm -hmm. that young and vulnerable, and I get that because I I felt that with uh, my youngest foster daughter uh, mm -hmm. Naya. Um, But Jessica and I have our own relationship that's beautiful in the sense that it started off when I could talk to her face to face, you know, mm. um, you know, and, you know, I, I, I helped her to learn how to drive in the first in the wow. first year. Right. And there's something to that that makes it so special and unique. Mm. And we went through all of our challenges and our ups and downs, as you can imagine. You know, my mm. first experience in parenting was with a 16 year old kid. Right. And then I know, then, right. Then three months later, Nathan was born. But, you know, but again, but my still my first experience in parenting was with a 16 year old girl. So wow. you can imagine. And a, and a 16 year old girl who had been in foster care mm. since she was two, wow. since she was two. Wow. wow. So so to see what God has done in her life. And mm. uh, I'm just so proud of her. And, uh, you know, every 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 year she was like, I'm, I can't finish school. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to drop out. I'm like, OK, well, just try next semester and see how you feel. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Right. And then she, little by little, little by little, you know, and she's and she got her master's in social work. Um, nice. And, uh, and she's and she's now giving back to the community, you know, helping mm -hmm. people. Um, and so, yeah, really proud of her. So I just didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't, I didn't want to leave the, my testimony without probably the the best part of my testimony. I hear that, you, man. My, hear my, you. my kids, my kids. I hear you. Awesome. So, awesome. And, and as they always say, man, your testimony is not your testimony until you're on my testimony. <laughs> all right. All right. I like... <laughs> That's what they say, though. We're not That's saying it. That's what they say. All right, man. So, I mean, thank you so much again. Yeah, uh, as I said, man, we can talk forever, man. I think we're gonna have to bring you back. We might have to. Yeah, we're gonna have I to bring you to. back, man. I think, <laughs> I think to. you're gonna be, a, I think you're gonna be a return, man. Exactly. I'll, 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 I'll accept it. You invite, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> we, we have more to talk about, man. Yeah, so, yeah. but time, time is upon us now. So that's okay. that's my fault because I'm, a, I'm a talker. You, yeah, you bring me on. You just. You ask one question, I think I'm I'm off for like 15 minutes. All right. I told you, you said you were introvert, man. I know, I know, and I and see, I'll be drained after this. I'm gonna be drained. I'm gonna be on the couch like, oh. Wow. I'm just I'm, I'm messing. 
Yeah. I, I'm actually over time. I've, that's why I say I'm, I lean towards being an introvert. I think I'm closer to the middle now. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I enjoy good conversation and, and connection and, and I feel energized right now. So amen. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Amen. So, all right. all right. So thank you so much again. And, um, Dawn, you are yeah. free to take us home. Nice all right. Loving Father, we thank you so much for this testimony. So many ways that your hand has been in Pastor Jonathan's life. And I ask that you continue to be with him and his family. Continue to bless his ministry and everything that you will have him do going forward. And I ask that all the listeners, that they will be able to see you high and lifted up in their lives. And be able mm. to, just to reach out to you and be totally connected with you. So we can be mm. truly be ready to meet you is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Pastor Jonathan, this will not be the last. We'll be in touch. Great. Great. Yep. So we we I I have a feeling we're gonna be working on some things together too. Yeah. I know, I, I, I feel it too. I feel it too. I'm I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so until yeah. next time, man, until yeah. we meet again, man. All right. God bless. All right. Take care. God bless. Blessings. All right. All right.